Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. I'm drinking the kale juices. I'm working out, eating like the most extreme healthy diet. And I was still dehydrated. I couldn't figure it out. Going to school, shadowing doctors from all around the world. There was a part of my soul and my gut that felt overwhelmed because I realized our biochemistry and our unique genetic makeup and all the things that make who we are is so complex. How can one doctor or one blood test really say, this is what's going on with you? It just never felt complete to me. I just thought in my head, there's got to be a better way to help people. So then I started thinking, what's our common denominator that we all have? And when I realized we're all made of 98.9% water molecules, I thought, why none of these doctors have talked about the water molecules? I went down the rabbit hole of water and OMB. Wow, water holds memory. So if water is holding information, how is it informing my body? Like if you're going to have purified filtered water, you're probably drinking H2O. But our body's working really hard to convert that H2O into H3O2 inside of our cells. Inside the cytoplasm of your cell, the water's not H2O, it's H3O2. This is really important. I was going to say, this is like Really pay attention to this one. (laughs) So our body's working really hard to structure the water within our cell. Why? Because that's what is essential for our cells to be able to communicate, have that charge. We're all about that voltage. If our bodies aren't charged and those cells don't have that structure, then the cells are not going to be able to communicate with each other. If you don't plug in your cell phone at night and those cells aren't charged, what happens? They're not communicating and you can't turn it on. It's not functioning. We need to charge ourselves. And our body's working really hard to do that all of the time. So I I would prefer to live near a living stream and be able to take that vortex water straight off the stream. But unfortunately, not all of us can do that. Because that's how it happens in nature. Yes. Yes. And so we're using these sacred stones and the sacred geometry to vortex the water just like nature would. Reinforming those living signatures. Now we have living water. Tracy Dews, welcome to the show. This I feel like this has been a, a a long time coming. We've been in contact for a long time. You were in Austin, I feel like in the fall or something. Yeah, I think it was. And I thought we were going to connect and then I had stuff going on here. So this is the first time we've actually met in person. I know. But it seemed like I, re- I really feel like I know you. Same. I feel like you're already family. And now that I've been to your house being here, I'm like, okay. Yeah, we're family. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely a, a connection going on here. But, you know, as I was learning more about you, I learned that you grew up in a missionary home. I did. Tell me about that. I don't know that I really met anyone who's grown up that way. And it obviously had a huge impact on your life, which we'll get into. But how does how does one grow up in a missionary home? Well, that's an interesting question. How did the missionary thing start? Well, my dad and mom are really... Kind of, they're unique people. They never locked their front door. I would wake up sometimes in the morning, oftentimes, and there would be a random person sleeping on the couch. It was never the six of us eating dinner together. Never, never. Like, I don't remember a time. There was always 
my mom had a big pot on the stove and she was feeding, you know, whoever in the town needed something to eat. And where did you grow up? In Salinas, California. Okay. It's kind of near Monterey. If people don't know where Salinas is. Um, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this. Yeah. <laughs> JC's had her first <laughs> volcano experience. I went light on the tobacco. So I was. And I've, I I uh, like have never smoked tobacco. So I'm like, wow, I just feel like this body high. Yeah. So you just take it easy on it. Every now and then you can take a little hit, take another but, little but just be gentle. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was kind of unique, but when you're growing up, you don't know something's different because that's all you know, right? So I remember, and also I was homeschooled. So I was extra, I guess, like sheltered, didn't really know another way of life. So we're traveling to different countries. My dad's working with migrant workers and there's always new people at our home. And my parents were just of service. Their life is literally of service. My mom, to this day, we'll take buckets of warm water down to the beach where we live and wash the people, the homeless people's feet, bring them socks and blankets and, but literally like touch them, you know, where you can give things to homeless people, but my mom's on another level. She takes their socks off and washes their feet and just, I don't know. She, it's what they love. Wow. What, I mean, what a gift to grow up in, in, I mean, that's deep service. That's from you, you, you can't do that unless it's truly from the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really fortunate enough that I didn't grow up in a home where my parents, they weren't talking about the Joneses. What are the neighbors doing? What kind of car do they have? Like, I was so unaware of that because they didn't really see the world that way. It was like, how can we serve? And that's what brings them so much joy. So I was kind of the black sheep of the family where I'm like, Ooh, I really like that car. That's a really pretty car. What kind of car is that? You know, we're driving like a really old station wagon. And I remember just thinking the only way that I noticed our family was different was from television, seeing the house, the way that they would decorate the house or like only the family ate at the dinner table and it was quieter, you know, whatever was going on, it was very different than my family. And so uh, I used to think, gosh, you know, I, someday I want to have a nice house like that and a nice car. And, you know, I aspired to maybe wanting to have these nice things, but it was interesting. Cause once I finally got the things that I wanted, I reverted back to, oh, no wonder my parents were so happy really being of deep service and having this grounding in your heart is what brings that true joy. Yeah, it is quite the journey. And I've, I'm, I speak about it a lot here on the podcast and bringing different people in who have had a similar experience of going after the shiny thing and the stuff that we're taught in society, whether it's television or other people in our, in our field. But I think most people find that once they, they attain it and you know, continue to attain new and bigger shiny objects that it just never fills that void. And the void is, is, you know, call it what you want, but it's like a connection to the heart, you know, relationships, connection with other people. And then that allows for, for you to still enjoy the nice things. I mean, I've seen, at least on Instagram, your home (laughs) is beautiful and your pantry is mind blowing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So 
thank you for, for sharing that with all of us in your refrigerator. Oh my gosh, it's just on point. <laughs> I mean, it's hard here with three kids and multiple animals to keep ours, you know, tidy, but uh, I, I aspire to that at, at some point. Hey, you're, I mean, whatever you got going on here is amazing. I aspire to be uh, more like you as well. So there's a lot of resonance, but thank you for the appreciation. Mm. <laughs> Because I do put a lot of love into it. I feel like when people come into my home, I want them to have an experience where it's something they remember. And we don't always remember like all the, like an object, but we remember how we felt when we went into someone's home and how we felt when we were around them. And I want people when they come into my home to feel nurtured and nourished and seen and heard and just like they can relax. Ooh, that's, that's, I mean, that's really what, what, you know, I say Peyton and I, and she does such an amazing job with the nurturing and making everyone feel welcome. And so many people walk in here and, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice house, but anything goes and, you know, we have nice things, but it's nothing's off limits. Yeah. And so people, they walk in like, I just feel like really comfortable. I feel like this is my home and I can just be myself. It's like, Ugh. oh, fuck. It wasn't my intention when we built the house to have that. I just didn't actually didn't know it was the thing. Yeah. And then as people started to kind of reflect back, it was really cool to, to understand that that's part of our role, I think, in this community is to have a home where people feel welcome and that it's theirs. Yeah. And I think that's a, a good point that you're bringing up because your home is, is gorgeous. I mean, it's stunning. And my parents' home was this small, very humble home. And, uh, and so it doesn't matter what the home really like looks like. or I mean, that is, is special, but it's really how you feel when you come inside and, and that person's energy and what they're, they're giving when you come in. And it, that's what makes all the difference, I think. So it's like going back to those things. We can have the nice shiny things and those are really fun. I'm not going to say they're not. I love beautiful things. If you know me, I'm all about like, I love aesthetics. You know, it's really important to me, but it's all at the end of the day, the connection that you had, this heart connection. Were you able to connect with somebody at a deeper than surface level and how you felt and how that person felt? And those are the things we remember. Yeah. And that, you know, think about it. I mean, how many, we've both been in a lot of beautiful homes, way more expensive than this one. And you feel out of place, not because you can't buy those things, but you, you just don't feel at home. And I've been in plenty of homes that are starter homes for people that I feel so loved and so welcome and I don't want to leave. And there's no cool kind of things to play with, but it's just the, the energy of the, you know, the hosts and what they create. And I think that's, it's something for us all to just remember, remember those, those homes that make you feel like that. And then also remember the ones that don't and like, you know what, that house is pretty dope, but I don't feel like it's my place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. hundred percent with you on that. So tell me this. And again, I recently listened to, um, as I was doing some more research on you today, I listened to your podcast with your daughter and, you know, learned about her, I don't know if I want to call it a battle, but her experience with alopecia. And I'm really curious to, 
um, you know, we have three kids, you know, they're, they're older as well. And we've, we've had things that they've experienced. And my, my middle guy had Lyme disease for a bit. And so that was a challenge. And my oldest is, has always had food allergies. And so, you know, it really resonated with me when, when, uh, is it Grace? Yes. Yeah. When, when Grace talked about how it kind of sucks when you go out and you can't eat anything, mm-hmm. even if you go to a place like True Foods, which has amazing food, everything's cooked in a particular oil. So I, I understand a, a little bit of it, Yeah. but I don't understand what it must feel like, you know, and you don't necessarily probably can't really speak on her behalf, but like, what's it like for her, but also for you as a parent who just, you can love her as much as you can with all your heart, but there are certain things that you can't give her. And what's that feel like? Those are, that's a great question, Cal. It feels there's different feelings. You go through these waves, right? And maybe um, just for people who don't aren't familiar with alopecia, could you give just a little kind of under, give them an understanding? Yeah. <clears throat> so basically, an easy way to explain it is her body thinks she's allergic to her hair. Her body is rejecting her hair. So my daughter has no hair on her head, no eyelashes, no eyebrows. She's lost all of the hair on her body. She has alopecia universalis, which means she has zero hair. And as a 16 year old girl, like we live in a world where we really value as women, especially, but men too, men want a nice head of hair. I want to have a nice head of hair. Um, so to be 16 and for example, she went to the uh, winter formal and she said, you know, all her friends are fixing their hair and she just felt so out of place. Cause she's like, well, what am I doing right now? And she won't wear a wig. She absolutely refuses to be inauthentic. Mm. She wants to be a hundred percent. This is who I am right now. <clears throat> but also, um, I want my hair back. I desire hair. I want to have hair, but I don't have it. So I'm not going to pretend like I do. <laughs> I think she doesn't want to have somebody asking, you know, is that real or fall off? And, you know, that would kind of suck to pretend behind something, but I mean, I guess we all have our masks that we pretend behind for sure, but, uh, she chooses not to. So I think she got it when she was two and a half, she had a vaccine uh, actually she got all of her vaccines at once and she was a preemie baby. And I really feel like we should listen to her intuition because something inside of me told me don't let her get these vaccines. And I was 24 and I remember I just had a gut feeling, but I'm not an MD and the pediatrician was very aggressive and strong with me and said, you know, what kind of mother are you? She could die from a polio or something unfortunate because you decided you didn't want to give her a vaccine. And she was very strong and her voice and tone were, her face was turning red. Like she was, she was angry and I had that feeling of fear and I gave into it. I never will again. I, I, I vowed to myself that when I feel fear from now on, I need to pause. 
and get grounded before I make a decision. But in that moment, I said, okay, so we allowed her to have the vaccine. And right after she got a really high fever and her health started to degrade where she was really exhausted and she had dark circles under her eyes and her thyroid, she um, ended up having Hashimoto's thyroid where, you know, her TSH levels were high and low and all over the place and uh, got really constipated. She just had these symptoms that were happening. And then one day I was brushing her hair and there was like a fist size uh, circle of hair missing from the right side of her head. And I remember just like my heart dropped into my stomach and I'm like, wait, what is this? Cause I didn't know about alopecia or what it was. And Hell no. What is, what is this? What, what's going on? And I took her to the pediatrician and the pediatrician said, well, you're putting her hair ties in too tight. You're pulling her hair out. Or a clump would come out. <laughs> yeah. That's like, so this huge, like almost the right side of her head was missing hair. And I said, okay, um, can you please just order a full CBC? We need full panel blood to see what's happening with her because something's not right. And he was very hesitant. Like he didn't even want to order a blood panel. It was really interesting. So we just went on this journey of going to different doctors and, and trying to uncover what it was. And over the course of the next six months, her hair just kept falling out and falling out until she had lost all her hair on her head. She had eyelashes and eyebrows then. Um, but it was a journey because we didn't really get that diagnosis or um, we didn't get this is alopecia from an MD till about six months after the first visit. Mm. And then we finally, we kept seeing different doctors. We go to a dermatologist, we took her to tons of different doctors. We were in the Kaiser program and they kept sending us to different doctors. And then uh, one day they're like, Oh, I, I think uh, we need to send you to the head of dermatology here. And, so we, we went and the lady's like, oh, yes, this is classic alopecia. I'm like, okay, great. Now we know what it is. What do we do? And she said, nothing. She'll live with it for the rest of her life. And here's a little video and a website you can go to where you can get some support. And I walked out of the office. She was two and a half then. And I just started crying because I felt like, Okay, we went through all this to find out what it is. Now that we know what it is, there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> and her father was like, don't cry. You know, we can't let her see us upset about it. So I just took a deep breath. And I remember thinking, no is not an answer. There's always hope. Always. And I personally, as her mother, have this responsibility to help her find that hope. And I'll do whatever I have to do to help activate this. And so that started my journey of really getting more into functional medicine because 
before I didn't really know about that or what it was, or there was alternative things. And we only, I grew up with that allopathic approach. So it was a gift, I feel, for both of us because we've, we've learned so much, but along with a lot of gifts, we also have this double-edged sword sometimes where it's not always easy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. That's and I guess, thanks for sharing that. And, um, I guess that's what I, I I'd love to know as, you know, from parent to parent, because I know the things that I deal with sometimes as a parent can be really challenging, but and it's not that I can fix everything. You know, sometimes your kid breaks his jaw and he's got to go through that process. But, you know, as a teenager who has something that separates her, yeah, you know, and I, I know in, in the, the podcast you had with her, she was sharing about her friend, I think it was Natasha, mm-hmm. who had it, but was able to, you know, kind of mitigate it or whatever and now has a full head of hair and, yeah. And so this person that she was deeply connected with, they shared a story now is kind of on a different path, which is amazing, thankfully for her, but it makes it hard for Grace. Yeah. That was a really hard thing for Grace because for Grace feeling so separated and so different, it was very comforting for her to have a friend that she could resonate with. And she would tell me, hey, you know, when I go to the grocery store with Natasha or the mall, nobody stares at me like they did before. It's like we're in this together. It's not just her alone being stared at because I've never lived in her shoes before. I see how she gets stared at, but I don't know how it feels for her. People really do like this jaw dropping kind of stare where she'll walk by and they'll turn their head and just jaw drop staring at her. Like it's so obvious. (laughs) Yeah. um, She gets people coming up to her often and asking her, she has cancer and just, she's definitely stands out. Uh, So Natasha having it with her just was the safety blanket and when Natasha got her hair back, also Natasha's friend group kind of changed. And Natasha started getting busy with school and she's in high school now. And so they didn't see each other as much. And Grace started feeling really isolated and alone. And And I tell Grace a lot, like, I understand pain. I can resonate with that. I can't fully understand your pain because I've never experienced alopecia but I can sit here with you in it and, and hold you and hold space for it and be here for you to try to do whatever we can to, to make it better. And, and also just love you and, and be here with you in the things that we can't change. And as a parent, it's very, it can be really painful. And I notice sometimes I'll find myself, I have to observe myself numbing out because I would get so into it and feeling her pain and working so hard and putting all my energy into going to this school, getting this, you know, going to this program, figuring this out, taking her to this doctor, taking her all like 
around the world to different doctors and put so much energy into understanding this autoimmune condition. And you hit a point where you're like, okay, maybe this isn't about me and what I can help do. And you feel I've had to hit a point where it's like, oh, maybe I need to just surrender this too. Do the best I can, but also be in a surrendered state and know like this, this, the way she is right now is okay too. It's not Mm. that it's not okay. It's not, there's not something wrong with her because she has alopecia. This is her gift, her journey. This is where we are and loving what is. Mm. And that's been a a journey for me. Like a lot of my self-growth has come through that because my personality is you want something, you make it happen. You figure it out and you grind until you do. And for most things in my life, that's worked until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Like a full stop on that, right? It, yeah. It, it's, there's so many things that we can fix and we choose to fix for our kids or, or whatever. But um, when we do surrender to what is and seeing that it's, it's okay. And it's still not okay. This can be both. And as you said, you know, like it's, it doesn't mean you're giving up. It just means that you're an acceptance of this and this is her journey and whatever you can do to support her. And I love that, that just the way you said that to her, that you understand pain you don't understand hers and what she's going through. And I think a lot of times it's easy for us to make the mistake of letting someone know that we know what they're going through. We have no idea. In any case, we may have some common, you know, experience, but each of our experiences with something that's as challenging as this is our own. And just to honor that, it's got to, because that to her, I would guess, she can receive that. That's honest. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're going to. And I think as I've started to understand that, when I mean, it's not just with my kids, it's with anybody. It's like, I, I actually don't, I don't know what you're going through. So like whatever I can do to spoil, it's just understanding we don't know and it's okay. Yeah. Like we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to fix it. Yep. There's nothing to fix here. Right. And getting to that point, like you said, where we're not giving up, it's still actively pursuing and trying, but from a surrendered state, which is kind of this dichotomy. I mean, is that even real? But for me, it's just a different energy where I, I realized like I was humbled because I realized there was a part of my ego that was like, I'm going to fix this because it's my daughter and I have this responsibility to fix it for her. And divine creator has a great way of putting us back in our place and realizing, no, 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 (laughs) this is not about you. You are not going to fix this. You can be a part of the story and the journey and we're tools that, you know, are, are used, but, but that surrendered state of, okay, I have an ideal of the way I want this to look and I want it to turn out. And I'm trying so hard to grind to get that. Oh, how about I let that go? 
and go, maybe this is her story forever. Maybe it's not. I don't know. And I need to be okay with the not knowing. Because a lot of times in life, I don't know about you, but for me, you can get so caught up in the future and figuring out what you're going to do and how you're going to fix something that we miss out on the gift of the present, the joy, the love, that exquisite gift that is the now. And I realize with my daughter, as a father, you know, with children, the time passes so quickly. And when we get in this state where it's like, okay, it'll be better when, Mm. we're missing the juiciness of that moment. And I know when she first lost all her hair, it was hard for me to even really look at her because it would be so painful inside. Like, this is really happening. This is, because it's not just about hair and the way you look. It's like her immune system's affected. Her health is affected. Everything there's a lot going on there. It's the, the social things. How is she treated by other people? How is she, how does she feel about herself? You know, there's just a lot of, a lot of components. And so I would catch myself like looking at her, but not looking at her. You know how you're just like, yeah. you see a car accident and you're like, you got to look, but you can't look kind of thing. It just, it was hard. And I had to really sh- shift my perspective and look at her not the way I wanted my daughter to be or the ideal that I had for her and really just find the beauty and that wow be in awe of her in the now and that was a journey that's been a journey it's still a journey sometimes there's there's moments where that can come back and it's because we don't we don't want anyone else to hurt and we don't want to hurt and we, we want to protect them and ourselves. So sometimes we don't want to see what is there, but I was missing out on the fact that what is there is so beautiful. Yeah. I think that's really beautifully articulated and I think it's applicable to all areas of our life, right? That we're missing the beauty, whether we're chasing some financial outcome or, but it, it really hits home when we talk about our kids and, our family and missing out on the now of this experience and hoping that, you know, her state would change um, and that she would have a different experience. And it's hard enough being a 16 year old kid today, let alone, you know, having something that makes you stand out. That's, you know, challenging. And so just imagine it's just been a deep initiation for you and, you know, I think it's probably helped a lot to to understand that it's her journey and you're there to support, but it's, it's, it's her journey. I know for me with my kids, and again, it's, it's, it's very different because they haven't had that particular experience. But when I understood that, sure, I'm their dad, but these are three individual souls that happen to be living in my house and I'm here to model behavior and be a support system but they need to figure out a lot of this shit on their own. Yeah. You know, it made, it made parenting a lot easier because I can actually see them for who they are and actually what, what are their needs? I don't need to project what I think their needs are. And I started to listen and tune into that. And you know, when you do that, your relationship 
deepens yes. immensely with them. It's like, oh, fuck, I didn't even know this was possible. Yeah, because we're not trying to mold them into what we want them to be. We're like, you are your own divine creation and I just get to be here to support this. And that a lot of the ego is take, has to be taken away there. <laughs> yes. Like, okay, this is not about me and how I want it to look. My daughter Grace is very different from me. She could, probably couldn't be more different. My other daughter Parker were very similar in our aesthetic, the things that we like, the food we like, the way we, our mannerisms and Grace is like her own beautiful creation. And sometimes like having two daughters and having that they're so different and one's like me and one's obviously both are like me, but, but Grace is just, she's, she's more like her dad in a lot of ways. And so just watching her and going, okay, you, we don't need to be like each other or understand each other or like the way, you know, something is or looks or traveling or, you know, all the things. It's like, you're wow I've learned just to be like wow this is so cool like the way she is she just got a car and she wanted to put like this um flower power steering wheel cover on and like deck she wanted to decorate her car she's like one of these cow uh print coaster covers and like things that I would just cringe at normally like oh really okay yeah that's why you want to decorate your car. But um, it was cool because I'm like, this is her. This is what gets her excited. And I get the opportunity of witnessing it and going, yeah, this isn't what I would like, but it's so cool because it's you and you're beautiful and you're amazing. And I love just observing how excited it gets you and, and the joy of noticing how different we all are as humans. And how one thing can get someone so excited, another person, it's like, oh, no, that's not my thing. Yeah. And I, it's, <laughs> it almost becomes a, a master class because I, I noticed this with my son, uh, Bowen, who's 16, and his tastes and a lot of things are very different from mine. You talk about the cars and <laughs> like just what he wants to do when he gets a car. And he's always asking me, like, what cars do you like? And we just couldn't be more opposite. <laughs> but it's like, when it's, when it's someone that close to you and you afford them the, you know, the, to have their own experience, you start to recognize like, oh yeah, he's like other people who aren't like me. And maybe that guy <laughs> isn't a douchebag. He just has different tastes. Exactly. He's right? just a grown up Bowen. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, yeah. And then I think the part of like getting older is life becomes so much more beautiful. I remember my dad in his forties, I would because we're taught this thing of like the twenties are the best, you know, I think in American society, it's like, Oh, you know, once you're past 21, like you're getting older. And I remember asking my dad when he turned 40, would you want to go back to be in your twenties? Like never life just gets better and better. And when he said that, I just couldn't believe him. I was like, okay, whatever. You you just don't get it. You know, but he's so right. Every year that goes by, life just gets juicier. I would never want to go back to even last year. Yeah. The things that I get to see now and witness, the perspective that I have, it's it's so much more, I guess, surrendered and, yeah. and open. It can be. <laughs> you know, it, it isn't for everybody. Yeah, but true. I think when when you are open to it, you know, and maybe this experience with Grace really accelerated your, you know, being in, in that acceptance of things. 
100%. I used to own a modeling agency. One of my first jobs was I started out modeling and then I owned a modeling agency. And so going from having things where, and I'm always everything in my home, like you talked about my refrigerator, my house, like I built an adult tree house, everything like the aesthetic. I love pretty things. And I used to love to hire beautiful women. I walking down the street. Oh my gosh, that aesthetic. Okay. She needs to be in my agency, you know, and I like would scout people and I loved, I love seeing just symmetry and, and beauty. And, and then my daughter loses all her hair and she's like, not what mainstream would, would particularly say, okay, that's what I want. I want to be bald. And so, yeah, I, it stripped me. It had, I had to choose to either go, okay, you know, she has to fit into this mold or, oh, I get to open up my perspective and realize, okay, there's way more beauty in this world than what we've been taught, mm. especially in America. Mm. And I think it, the world is changing where we are seeing different shapes and sizes of models. And, and I love that because it's true. The whole, we are all so different mm. and we don't need to fit into this one tiny little box in order to be beautiful. Our uniqueness is what makes us beautiful. Yeah. And it's like changing our own personal relationship to it's that we can still think things that are beautiful, like the models, they're beautiful, but it's like changing our relationship and our attachment to that feeling. It's like, it's not like, no, they're not beautiful anymore. It's just kind of lightening in the load a little bit. And, you know, again, like I, I don't want to sound like an authority on any of this, but I will say that, you know, three, four years ago when I started to witness my kids, you know, as they're, you know, being on their own journey, it, it got to be a lot more fun to be a parent. And that, that, like I said, that connection got a lot deeper. So if, if you haven't tried it out there, look, I'm 50. So it took me a while to figure it out. It, it's never too late. Like try it out, like start to see them as these beings that are, you get the opportunity to live with them mm -hmm. for a period of time. Yeah. And, and then they're off. I know. And it's such a short period of time when they were babies. I remember getting told so often, enjoy this. It doesn't last. And I remember thinking, are you freaking kidding me? Like a night feels like an eternity when you're yeah. up all night and you're I, like, I, I don't honest. understand how anyone thinks this. <laughs> I was not enjoying many of those years. That was grindy. <laughs> oh, when they're you're changing poopy diapers and they're crying. And now all I want to do is hold them again when they're a baby. Yeah. Like I see their photos and I'm like, oh, it's that the little chubby hands with the little dimples in their hands and, you know, just the little mama, can I have some tea? You know, they're just these uh, like cute little beings. But when you're exhausted and you're in this like whirlwind, you have trouble appreciating it. I just read this book on the way over here and it's called, if it's not a hell, yes, it's a hell no. Mm, I've been. I haven't read it, but I've been like really tuning into that lately and it feels really good. So you drop some wisdom. Read this book. I read like three quarters of it. It's such an easy read. I read three quarters of it on the way here, but it was really resonating with what I'm trying to create in my life right now is just stripping away the things that are mediocre and just okay in my life and really tuning into what I'm resonating with. What are my divine gifts? What gets me 
my blueprint, me as Tracy Dews, what gets me excited? Just because it doesn't get someone else excited or someone else has a different opinion about what I should be doing, I got to let all of that go because I can be living this, this life of doing too many things and not really enjoying the things that I was created to be and do. And I just recently shut down the storefront of my wellness center. Uh, I've had it for 16 years. Which one was this? The sanctuary. Okay. Yeah. I had it for 16 years and it felt like I was a failure to, to shut it down. Like, but every day when I would go to drive over there, I wasn't excited about it. I felt like it was robbing me of energy. I felt drained. And I just realized I kind of let the ego go of, oh, I'm shutting this down. Is this a failure? And say, who gives a rat's ass what anybody thinks? I have to walk in my shoes every single day. And if this is draining me of energy, I need to let it go. And so I, I shut it down. And I just went through a whole remodel, reconverted into uh, another unit that we can use for our wellness retreats. But at first it felt like I was a failure. And then I realized this like huge weight has been lifted off of my shoulders and I feel so free. Like, oh, now I have space to do other things. And then it got me excited to realize, okay, anything that's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. I don't need to say yes to this just because it's good. I am more effective. I'm more loving. I have more energy to give when I take time to rest and nurture and nourish my spirit. And when I do that, I can tap into my really unique divine gifts. And then when it's a hell yes, I can give it with all my heart and really love on others and love myself through this process. And so I've been putting this into practice this year. Now we're only in February, right? That's okay. It's a good start. But it feels so damn good. That's awesome. It is like, it's so freeing and it feels so good. And obviously I have so much to learn and I'm just starting it, but I, it just, it's like a different way of looking at things. Like, taking a step back and feeling into my body and going, is this a hell yes? Mm, nope. So it may be a good thing, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not putting my energy into that because we only have so much energy. We only have so much time in a day. And I think we get so caught up in the doing that we forget about the being. Yeah. And I think, I think I, I love this track because a lot of people will often wonder like, how, how does, you know, how do they do it? How do they seem to enjoy everything they do in their life? It's because they, they decide that if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And it, it takes some practice, but as you do it, as you start to shuffle those maybes off the calendar, it feels really good. You start to have more time. You start to value that time. You start to understand that, it's yours to decide. And I think that was the hardest thing for me is not having solid boundaries. And when you don't have solid boundaries, you leak time, you leak money, you leak energy. And you, if you don't know any better, you just feel like that's what you do. But as people come into your life to show you another way and you start to put that into practice, 
it just reinforces itself. Yeah. So the people that you spend time with, like I'm very, just really, you know, I'd say my, my inner circle has gotten super tight and um, it's not because the people that maybe aren't in it aren't amazing people. It's just, I don't have a lot of time and I want to go deep and I want to learn and I want to follow the energy of what I'm tracking right now. And if, if it's, if it's this particular group of men and women, then that's who I'm going to spend my time with. So it's been, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's definitely been something in the last couple of months that I've really been tuning into and it, it feels really good as the more you do it, those boundaries get, you know, kind of more solidified. It just becomes easier and you stop worrying about hurting some, someone's feelings and am I going to let them down on the other side of this? You're still loved. It's all good. <laughs> right? Do you feel like the things that you do say yes to now, it, that experience feels different? I just, I get really excited for the yeses because I know it's almost like they've been carefully curated, like in the subconscious that I, I know it's going to be an amazing time. And if it's not, okay, I'll learn something from that. And I was just spending some time with a friend of mine last night. He's been kind of on a similar path and he was, he was out with some people the other night. He's like, I got in there and this woman I knew was sitting next to me and she had her back to me and he's like one of the most amazing guys. So it wasn't like, she, you know, she had kind of any kind of real issue with him, but she was just being shitty. And <laughs> she's like, that side of the table was all blocked off. And the people on the other side, there was this conversation was just like this low energy. And finally he's like, all right guys, I gotta go. And he like got up after 30 minutes. He's like, I'm out. I'm yeah. not doing it anymore. Yeah. I don't care if I committed to it. If I get into the wrong space, I'm going to draw a line and go to be with people who are life giving energy giving. And so it's, it's good to have people kind of on that journey as well to, you know, kind of play in like, what does it feel like? Yeah. And that it's okay to say no. And there's, and, and then there's learning how to do it gracefully. You That's know, right. Because there's a way to do it that can still um, make people feel seen and loved and let them know that you're, I value you. Mm -hmm. Also, there's a limited amount of, of time. And I, and I've been putting up better boundaries with myself and my friends and being more clear too. Like I just had to have a hard conversation with somebody who says she's my friend, but I'm like, look, we can, my dad told me when I was a little girl that I should be able to count my friends on one hand because I will never be a good friend to 20, 30 people. We can have associates, acquaintances, people that, you know, we, we can still give and be kind and loving. But when it comes to being a, a real friend, that takes time to sit there, hold space, listen, check in bring them some soup if they're sick or whatever it takes. Like for, the, for the record, <laughs> I was in a beautiful ceremony Saturday night and we decided that you can have 10 best friends. 10, okay. That's the limit. Ten, okay. So you can use both hands. So a little more now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like yours because five is not a lot. But, but that idea yeah. of that, it doesn't mean that someone else isn't special. It's just like what you would call a friend is, 
I, I have an idea of what a friend is and how I want to show up for a friend. That's it. Like being, having the capacity yeah. and bandwidth to show the, up the for bandwidth. the five, 10, whatever. Exactly. But you, you're right. You get, you get into 20. It's like, you can't, you can't, you're spread too thin. And then you're not a good friend to anyone. No, you're not connected to with none anyone. of them. <laughs> yeah. So this friend. Yeah. So I just, I, it was really hard, but I had to be honest and say, you know, Every time I call you, it gets sent to voicemail. And then you say that you're really bad with texting because every time I text, you don't <laughs> get back. So I said, I feel defeated. I really don't know how to connect with you. And my definition of friendship is might be different than yours. But what I desire to give in the relationship and what I feel like is being reciprocated doesn't feel like there's a coherence here. And it's my responsibility to be clear and share how I feel because that gives you the opportunity to show up if you desire to do so. And if you don't, that's okay. But I'm just being clear about what my desires are and the way that I define friendship. And just let's just see, are we on the same page? That was really hard to do that. Like I would have never done that in the past. Just kind of blow it off and just, oh, whatever. Totally. But I realized, like Brene Brown says, clear is kind. Mm. There's a way to be clear, but do it in a kind way. I'm not demanding anything of you. I'm not telling you you're doing anything wrong. I'm just saying, here's how I see it. And here's what I desire. And you're welcome to show up. I'm giving an invitation. That's why I said this is an invitation. Yeah, you're coming. I look at it as you're, you're come, like, let's make an agreement here. Like, yeah. what's our agreement in this relationship? And if yeah. it's, as you said, if it, if it doesn't sync up, okay, at least now we know. Now we know. No hard feelings. We just see it differently. Yeah, and I, I love it, it again when you start to do that rather than blow it off because we've all done that a lot. When you start to have those more difficult conversations, you start to you do get clarity and those boundaries actually get really clear for you as well for who you really desire in your life and what you're seeking for that connection and relationship. Yeah, because everything is, is like a vacuum. What you let go of is let opening up space for something else. And so if I'm not in true resonance and this relationship isn't a hell yeah for me, <laughs> then I care about you enough that I'm going to communicate and give you that invitation to show up so that we can have this hell yes relationship. And if it's not, then it's okay to let it go. And, and me not having my field, you're my friend and I'm going to keep showing up for you in this really deep way. No, you're an associate now. Like I care about you. I'll help you, but not to the level that I'm choosing for people that I'm going to call a friend. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> We're going to shift here because you have so much to share beyond what you just shared. So Tracy, because it really, I think you, you touched on it because of your experience with grace, you've gone deep into the body. And so that's a lot of what your podcast is. You know, I know you have a book coming out is when is that hoping to launch? <sighs> wow. Cal. Well, I just have to say that the book was supposed to be out last May. It's my first book that I've ever done. Sure. And uh, I finished writing it in April, turned it in, and it was basically 
I learned a lesson that don't tell people that something's going to come when the, the publishing company was telling me it was going to come. So I told That's people fair. to pre-order. Yeah. This is what's coming. And now it's a year later and it was basically kind of a, oh gosh, just the, the company took my money and, and was just leading me on. So anyways, I take the responsibility for that because it's like, oh my gosh, these people have been waiting. And so finally I had to just get, I had to s- swap it. It was like, hell no now. This is, this is not working. Yeah. I had to do the hard Rather stop. Rather than chase that and try to make it work. I it's kept like, trying it's just to not, make it work. Yeah. Can we make this work? And they were leading me on and finally I had to realize like, okay, can't just keep hoping the best. Like, let's look at the facts here. Mm-hmm. So it's like that book, Good to Great. I had to get them off the bus and like, <laughs> boom, I'm just going to lose all that money that I put into it. And it was a big chunk of money that I had put down, but I got to just let that go and move forward. So I just hired a whole new team about a month ago and we're looking at April that it'll be printed. So fingers crossed, but I'm not making any promises. Sure. <laughs> this and, is and, my first time. <laughs> and it's called Hydrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same as your podcast. Yeah. Great. Very on brand. Yeah. Um, so, well, let's get into some of the the stuff that you've learned and stuff that you share. You know, in fact, we first got connected because I bought, is it a UMD? Uh, UMH. UMH. Dang yeah. it. I was close. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. Uh, I bought one of the vor- water vortexing structure. How, how do you describe it? A water vortexer. Yeah. So I bought one of those through our friend. Well, Justin Rizvani had one. It's like, dude, I want one of those. Like, All right. <laughs> talk to Tracy. She sells them. And so I have this one. People have been over. They see it's like this kind of cool four-legged thing that sits on our counter. It's like a golden spaceship. It's so cool. It's so <laughs> elegant. Tell people what the- German design, you know, it's like, you know, the Germans, they make nice things. Yeah. They don't fuck around. Yeah. So what is the the benefit you were just sharing with, with Peyton and I before we got on, but what Let's talk a little bit about water and why something like that device is so important for our water. Yeah. Well, (laughs) when I started going into health, I've had my, I had my functional medicine clinic for 16 years and going to school, shadowing doctors from all around the world. There was a part of my soul and my gut that felt overwhelmed because I realized our biochemistry and our unique genetic makeup and all the things that make who we are is so complex. How can one doctor or one blood test really say, this is what's going on with you? It just never felt complete to me. And I'm a detail girl. So <laughs> like, oh, there's so many other factors that could be going into this. And it just always bugged me because I didn't like it just being put into one little box and saying, oh, you've got high cholesterol or heart disease or whatever it is. Like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Mm. What's causing this? What's the whole process? And then you look at all of these different processes that are happening in the body and you can break it down and it's, you know, so complex, all these charts and things. And then I thought, even this is not complete because everyone's body is so unique. So I went back to the drawing board because I would have patients come in and it's like, we would give them a whole, whole uh, new program of like, here's what you can eat, can't eat supplements you take. Here's what you do, all this stuff. And 
sometimes people would do it. Sometimes they wouldn't. People get overwhelmed. And I just thought in my head, there's got to be a better way to help people because this is not super effective. It is, but it isn't. This not with everyone. So then I started thinking, what's our common denominator that we all have? And when I realized we're all made of 98.9% water molecules, I thought, why? When I've been to the doctor for grace, none of these doctors have talked about the water molecules that she's made of and the integrity of her cells and the water that's impacting it. And, and then I just started to realize I've never really heard anyone go into this really deep. And I wanted to learn more about hydration because I had some severe dehydration when I was pregnant for her, regardless of the fact that I was drinking a gallon of water a day, mm. I was still super dehydrated. At 24, I had like, I'd wake up in the morning and my eyelids would be stuck to my eyeballs. My tongue would be stuck to the roof of my mouth, Shit. even though I was drinking a gallon of water a day. Wow. I couldn't drink enough water. <laughs> and all I could think about was water. If we'd be sitting here right now, I'd be anxious if I didn't have water next to me. Like, okay, I'm so thirsty. I couldn't even get up to get the water. It felt like I'd been crawling through the desert for days with no water. Now I've never done that. So I don't know what it feels like, but what I imagine it would feel like. (laughs) And my ex-husband, the girl's father, I don't like that word ex-husband. I think it's, he's such an amazing person, but the girl's father would go, he would know he'd have to go get me water because I couldn't even open my eyeballs (laughs) until I put water on him. And I was 24, so young. I'm drinking the kale juices. I'm working out, eating like the most extreme healthy diet. I mean, if you looked at my diet, it was like to the detail. I'd pick from our garden. And some people say they're healthy. This I was like on an extreme level. And I was still dehydrated. I couldn't figure it out. Nothing made sense. And so I went down that rabbit hole of, Hey, I want to help my patients. I need to help myself. And I went down the rabbit hole of water and OMG. It was like, we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg with the things that we know about water. We could study it for the rest of our lives and really never even get it. I mean, I think that's why in the Bible, there's so many biblical references to water and ancients talk about water because there, it's something so dynamic and there is so much in it. It holds so much memory. Gerald Pollack at the University of Washington discovered that there's four phases to water now. It's not just liquid, vapor, and solid. It's also the fourth phase is like a gelatinous stu- structure. And in that, that the, the molecules H3O2, and in, in that, it's like um, these, these molecules form up to create almost like a, like a hexagonal sheet, like structures, kind of like a honeycomb and they're holding information inside of these, these sheets. It's like, wow, water holds memory. So if you take your phone and you look at it, the cells in the cell phone are holding information, this binary zeros and ones, but oxygen has five different potential points. It's got zero, negative one, negative two, positive one, positive two. There's so much more potential in water can hold, Gerald Pollack says up to a billion times more information 
than these cells in our cell phone. Hmm. So if water is holding information, what kind of information, how is it informing my body? Does that mean that the type of water I drink matters? Is it not just the chemistry that's important? Because we look at the chemistry, is this filtered? Is it clean? That's what we ask when you go to a restaurant. Is this filtered water? Is it clean water? But in my opinion, there's more questions we need to be asking or we have the opportunity to ask. Mm. How is this water informed? Yeah. <laughs> that, wouldn't yeah. that be funny? You go to a restaurant, people are like, this girl is crazy. <laughs> but I think that's going to be the question in the future. As we start to realize how important this is. And I think a lot of the ancients already knew this. I mean, a lot of ancient texts talk about it. But we've forgotten it for some reason. I think we've gotten so into scientism mm -hmm. that we, if we can't see it under a microscope, then it's not really there. And I don't buy into that because I can't see God under a microscope. You can't see creator under a microscope. But in my experience, I believe that there, there is a creator, a divine creator, and it's not something I can see or touch, mm. but it's there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's certainly a whole rabbit hole to go down with water, <laughs> you know, as you can, as everyone listening can tell. And one of the things that I didn't realize about the, the, you know, this vortexer is that it actually creates an extra hydrogen molecule. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Or how does. Yeah. So what, what it's doing is it's actually, so vortexing is really cool because this machine that you're, this device that you have, it, the UMH, it's spinning the water in a left and right spin. And they're using sacred geometry, geometry Fibonacci sequencing. Um, and, and what it's doing is it's deleting the information. Whatever, oh. the water that, that you've gotten from the tap and then goes through your Kangen machine, that's changing the chemistry of the water. But we also have those different aspects that we talked about of water that go far beyond the chemistry. We've got the physics. We, we have so much more in the water. We want to delete the information, what it's holding. Like it's like a system reboot. Like if I took my phone and you do system reset and delete everything off of it, we're deleting the information that's inside okay. how that water has been informed. Yeah. So when that water, who God knows where it came from or the journey it came through to get to you. And when you're cleansing out, the chemical uh, assaults, it's still holding the memory of those chemical Got assaults. You. Okay. So not only, you don't have the chemistry of the pharmaceuticals in there, but you have that signaling of the pharmaceutical oh stuff. Gosh. And now it makes sense when you talk about Pollock's work with the, the information being held in water. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's deleting it and then it's reinforming it of these living signatures. Ugh. Like in nature. So, I would prefer to live near a living stream and be able to take that vortex water straight off the stream. But unfortunately, not all of us can do that. Because that's how it happens in nature. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. So it's basically in captivity. I like to call it captivity. <laughs> we live in captivity. In captivity, we get to mimic nature. And so we're using these sacred stones and the sacred geometry to vortex the water just like nature would. Not just like, but we're mimicking it. And so we're deleting the information and then we're reinforming 
of those living signatures. Mm. Now we have living water. Not only is it it's deleting the information, but it's actually changing the structure of the water. So H2O is something that we look at. Like if you're going to have purified filtered water, you're probably drinking H2O. But our body's working really hard to convert that H2O into H3O2 inside of our cells. Inside the cytoplasm of your cell, the water's not H2O, it's H3O2. This is really important. I was going to say, this is like, really pay attention to this one. (laughs) Yeah, this is so important because this is where inside of our cell, um, Dr. Cohen in, in his research has been talking about how this gelatinous structure, this charge is what is essential for our vitality and our health. Non-native EMFs, um, these non-native lights that we're under, they're, they're liquefying the H3O2 inside of our cells. So that H3O2 should be like a gelatinous type structure. We want to structure that water. It's to almost be like they're, it's, they're being, it's being dehydrated. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's deeply dehydrating. Yeah. These non-native EMFs are deeply, deeply dehydrating. The non-native light. And so our body's working really hard to structure the water within our cell. Why? Because that's what like is essential for our cells to be able to communicate, have that charge. We're all about that voltage. If we, if our bodies aren't charged and those cells don't have that structure, then the cells are not going to be able to communicate with each other. If you don't plug in your cell phone at night, and those cells aren't charged, what happens? They're not communicating and you can't turn it on. It's not functioning. That's a very simplistic way of putting it, but I like to give that analogy because it helps people realize that that chart, we need to charge ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) And our body's working really hard to do that all of the time. So according to Gerald Pollack, the H2O is being converted, our body's converting it to H3O2 inside the cell. So with the device that you have, you're converting that H2O into H3O2. So your body needs to do less work. It's not working so hard to. And you said convert. as much as it, it can cut your, your necessary water intake by a third of um, what. Yeah. About a third was what I noticed for myself because my body's not working as hard to do that. And then my cells and my mitochondria powerhouses of my cells can, they're actually making metabolic water. A lot of people don't know this, but our cells are making this beautifully exquisite deuterium depleted uh, structured water inside of our cells about a liter and a half a day. Mm. And so when we feed our mitochondria the nutrients that it needs and, and like you were talking about with the full spectrum light and taking our shoes off and grounding to the earth, those things are feeding our mitochondria, this nutrition and this energy and charging. And then our mitochondria can make more water for us. Got it. Yeah. It's so interesting. So metabolic water is really special. I mean, the hydrogen from the food we're eating and the oxygen from the air we're breathing, they're hungry to come together and make metabolic water inside of our cell. Well, you definitely inspired Peyton when she heard you talk. <laughs> she didn't got to listen to me because I actually, 
I didn't know all that. I was just like, I know, I know this is good for you. I don't know exactly why, but I, I love, I mean, that's a perfect explanation or at least one that I can wrap my head around. Um, but you mentioned I'd pinged you this morning. I'm like, <laughs> you know shit about red lights. Cause I've been using them. Um, and it, the way I am, like, you know, we we're talking about this. I'll try shit, especially if it's people that I trust and I know they've done, you know, the research into the science. They've kind of vetted it. I'll try it without really knowing all the benefits. So I could rattle off a few of the red light benefits, but I would love for you to share with everyone because you probably know them way better than I do. Well, first I'll preface that I'm not a red light specialist. And okay. If you want to learn more about red light, my friend Michael from BioLife Shop has his own podcast just on this. So oh, if damn. you want to listen to it, he's got a lot of great information. But I I know that our mitochondria, the light and the, the sun is nutrition for our cells. It's that unspoken nutrition. I mean, the reason why we eat plants is because they have that light energy from the sun inside of their cells. And so we're eating it and we're taking that in, that energy. But in order for us to have this vitality and to be healthy, we need to get full spectrum sunlight. And many of us, many people are not doing that because the sun has been villainized and there's this, this lack of, there's misinformation out there. So you'll see a mom at the beach with her kid spraying them down with SPF, the chemical SPF. And oh my gosh, you know, it's like, okay, wait a minute. The sun isn't necessarily bad. It's essential. We need it for nutrition. But it's the time of day we go out and spend in the sun can make a big difference. So I like to go out at sunrise because this helps my circadian rhythm as well, but go out at sunrise and that's when the thermal heat is the lowest and you're getting the highest amount of red light and full spectrum light, but it's not burning your, your skin. And then at sunset, at like golden hour and watching the sunset, you're getting that red light in, in your skin and into the retina and the eye, open up your mouth, get it in your epithelial tissue. That's why you hear people talk about um, anal sunning, you know, because oh, the yeah. epithelial tissue is where you can really absorb oh, gotcha. that nutrition, the full spectrum light. So a lot of people aren't doing that. They're working all day they're, or they're waking up late and they're spending a lot of time indoors under these non-native lights, non-native EMFs. And so it's like junk food. It's like having, because light is nutrition. So it's like eating McDonald's mm. <laughs> nutrition in terms of light all day long. Mm -hmm. You're going to suffer. Mm. So these red lights are great because for people that won't go out and watch the sunrise or the sunset and they're not going out in the sun during the middle of the day. And if they do, they're slathering th themselves down with sunscreen. The red light is a, a supplement. It's like taking a supplement. Okay, I'm going to get this nutrition for my cells. They're charging my cells, feeding my mitochondria, helping me make more metabolic water, a host of other things. This is something I can supplement with for my lifestyle. And I mean, it helps, you know, with, inflammation. There's so many things that it helps with, but, but just like the sun, you want to have a certain amount of intake, you know, there can be too much. 
just like you don't want to eat 50 oranges, you know, there's, there's a balance with that. So it is nutrition. It's a supplement. The sun is the best, but not everyone's going to wake up at sunrise and watch the sunset. Mm, Perfect. (laughs) I'm glad I have it then. Yes. Tell, I want to I want to shift gears for a second and talk about your post today about Botox. Oh, yeah. Because that was that was news to me. Really? Not that I had an opinion about it one way or the other, but the way you explained what's happening, how it's basically freezing, you know, the the tissue or whatever. And imagine if like your leg was frozen for six months, like is that good for your leg? Yeah. And so, I'd love for you to share kind of your thoughts around Botox and why you've never done it. So owning a functional medicine clinic and a spa, we have a spa, so we had facials there and I owned it for 16 years. I got to witness people that were getting Botox, weren't getting Botox. And I'm the type of person that I'm an observer. My mom said when I was a little girl, someone would be walking down the street and I'd just be staring at them, you know, because I look at every little detail. And I just would notice the difference between people that got Botox and didn't get Botox and just the little nuances, right? So when our clients would come in, I I would ask them, you know, if they'd gotten Botox. And I'm one of those people that I want to age gracefully. I'm sorry, but it's like very important to me, you know, I'm fine with aging, but I want to age gracefully. So I'm always thinking ahead, right? Okay. I could do Botox now and not have a wrinkle, but what's that going to do to me 10 years, 20 years from now? What's my face going to look like? So I started observing our clients. You know, we had it for 16 years, people that have been doing it forever and how they looked and how their face was aging. And then just noticing that. And I thought, gosh, this, it doesn't seem like it's doing what all these doctors are saying it does. They, these plastic surgeons and injectors tell people that it's going to make you age better. But what I would notice is that like someone's forehead would get longer dropped or the face would start dropping. So they didn't have wrinkles, but something looked off. The face was moving down, but there's no wrinkle. So your brain's like, something's not right here. You know, (laughs) we, we know these little, our brain's smart, you know, the subtleness, the idiosyncrasies. So then I thought, well, look, I don't want to have a bunch of wrinkles, but I also don't want to do Botox because also it's a neurotoxin and, and they're starting to discover that it affects people's thyroid. People that get it a lot could, you can be susceptible to Hashimoto's thyroid and Anyways, I just thought if you keep injecting yourself with this toxin, what's the long-term effects of it? And that was always in the back of my mind. So I started this facial at our wellness clinic where, cause I want to age well. I'm like, what can I do <laughs> to like do this, but in a healthy way. And I started thinking about blood flow, lymph flow. When you see a child running and they come in, you know, with their face all ready, it's like, that's the youth is the blood flowing through the face, the lymph, the energy there, the the hydration, the vitality. So how do we get the skin more hydrated, less puffy with toxins and, um, you know, get the blood moving. So I just started practicing all these techniques and bringing these things together. And 
like gua sha, facial massage. You actually can massage inside the mouth because we have muscle, you know, our muscles, we're moving them all the time and we want to lay them back into place, massage, relax the muscles that are overactive and awaken the ones that are un- underactive and and so then we're bringing this lymph and blood flow back. And I started to do it to people's faces and I would take a photo before and after and it's unbelievable. Really? Unbelievable. One facial was good, but then we started to do a program. It was 10. So they'd come in for 10 and I'll have to show you the photos after this, but it's like, like looking like they had a beyond a facelift, like the, the, the fullness and the fat coming back in the cheeks and the vitality and the wrinkles smoothing out. And they're just so happy. And I realized like, gave me hope, like, okay, I can, I can age well and gracefully and I don't have to inject myself with a toxin and freeze my face. So I just started realizing, you know, we've been sold a lie mm-hmm. and I don't Common think it's anyone. Theme. Yeah. Being like, I don't think there's mal or ill intention. I don't want to believe that, but I think it's just misinformation, being misinformed. And I like to look beyond the curtain. What's behind the curtain <laughs> there? So anyway, the, the post was really just my observations. I'm not an MD, obviously, and I can't say, you know, give medical advice, but it was just my observation of the things that I've witnessed and seen and owning a, a clinic for all these years, how I've seen the changes we can make by just paying attention to the lymph and blood flow and hydration and muscles. And well, how about we just go back to basics? Yeah. And then, so if the 10 sessions over what period of time, how, how often do you recommend? So the way I did it was it was four, three, two, one. So the first week was four, you come in four days a week, three days. So it's almost like, like a workout. Yeah. And then they would come back uh, once every six months for a reboot. And then how long does the actual massage take? It was, well, through all the treatments. So then we do this, this facial mask that creates this vasodilation. So it's bringing all the blood to the surface to cleanse the cells. Oh. So there's a lot of things that I put pieced together because one uh, there was certain treatments that worked really well. And I'm like, oh, well, what if we put it in tandem with this one and that one? And these would work synergistically together. And then I put them together and I called it the celebrity facial, <laughs> the secret celebrity facial. And people, you know, they come in and it's just, I'm still blown away <laughs> how much you can do naturally. Like you don't have to go get cut open and lift this and that. You can bring the integrity of your skin back life through hydration, nutrition, sunlight, grounding, sleep, massage. Those things can make, I believe, a bigger difference than a knife or scalpel. Mm, Beautiful. Now you traveled here, by the way. Yeah. And I've, I've seen a lot of your, your Instagram stories about when you travel. So when you travel today, like, what did you do (laughs) I want to hear like some travel hacks for the listeners. Like it's what can they do? My, my travel routine is embarrassing. It's like extra. Or maybe let's I'm do extra. this. <laughs> Give us the, like, what do you recommend for people who don't put a lot of thought into, you know, they're, they're going to be traveling like tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to Florida with my son. Okay. So what do you recommend? I, I, I bring. All right. So the big thing is when you're on the airplane, there's a lot of assault on your body. It's just, it's a lot. 
being in that tin can up in the air. Make sure to get a good night's sleep the night before. And the 48 hours before you fly, really focus on your hydration. And when I say hydration, anybody listening to this, just to make it simple, if you're looking at water, stay away from filtered water, go back to nature, get spring water. And if you want to know how to make spring, mimic spring water at home, you can go to my page and I can show you how, but you're not going to really hydrate with purified water. So throw that away, drink spring water and hydrate the 48 hours before. Then the morning of, I have this green tea ND extract that I use because that's going to help with the radiation. We're getting assaulted by a lot of radiation when we're on the airplane. So I'm just trying to mitigate it as best as possible. So I have this uh, green tea extract that I'll put in some warm water and drink that. And then I fast. Or I'll have just a little bit of fruit. I had a couple blackberries, but I haven't eaten anything else because your stomach, you're going into this, like, um, everything's getting contracted, like shrink wrapped, you know, and Mm. your body really can't digest when it's on the airplane. So that will make you extra tired and just feel lethargic. So either fast or just eat some light, like fruit, things like that. And then as soon as you get off the airplane, you want to ground, take your shoes off, connect to the earth, hug a tree. I know that sounds weird, but whatever you got to do to just ground. That's why a lot of people like to take a shower when they get off an airplane because water's grounding. (sighs) You just feel so good once you ground, you know? Okay. So while I'm on the airplane, I take these hydrogen tablets. I put, so before the flight, mid-flight and after-flight. I take one quinton. Quinton is, it's a seawater, 78 trace elements that helps my cells. It just helps my cells be able to communicate because I have all the building blocks for biogenesis. So I take one of those and then I get four ounces of water and put two hydrogen tablets in. You do? You yeah. put, so I'm, I'm just curious about um, how much water? Because I I bought the tablets after when I went to South Africa after seeing oh, your ski trip or yeah yeah so but I, I put it in like a big thing of water and I was waiting for it and I'm like oh, I got to drink all this yeah water. no 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 just yeah. do four ounces because the juice is in the gas the hydrogen that's coming off a lot of people don't realize that they think it's some sort of chemistry thing happening but yeah no, what's happening is there is chemistry happening but those tablets are liberating the hydrogen from the water molecule. So that hydrogen gas is being liberated and you want to drink it right away. So you get the gas. Okay. The gas is what matters, not necessarily the water you're drinking. It's the gas that's being liberated and getting. So pre-flight do that two tablets and four ounces. Okay. And then if it's a really long flight, I'll do it mid-flight. And then after that's made a world of difference for my, how I feel after a flight. I don't feel tired anymore. I used to get off the airplane and be like, oh, I need a nap. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel great. What are you buying for water at the airport? Me, I don't because I bring my own water. But if I How had- How do you get the water like through security? You just say it's medical water and then they uh, have to test it. So oh. they have a machine there. No shit? Yeah. So you can vortex your water, bring it and you're like, this is my medical water. You so have they to test, test it. it just to make sure it's water? Uh-huh. Oh, so it doesn't- that's it? That's it. Fuck. All right. So you can bring your own water. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that. 
A lot of people don't know that. Now you all do. Hack. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, they have to. I mean, you just look at them and say, there's medical water. And they go, oh, okay. They have a little machine they put it in. Awesome. Takes extra time. Sure. So you just, just need leave to little, make sure. Leave a little earlier. Yeah, leave a little earlier. I've had times where I'm like running late and I'm like, oh my God, I got to get the water tested. But I, you know, I won't travel without my deuterium depleted water. So yeah, I would definitely get spring water, do the hydrogen tablets. That really helps. Quinton always helps me. Okay. Between the Quintons, there's the hyper and the iso. Yeah. What's the difference? That's a great question. So they're both seawater. The hypertonic is the undiluted. So it'd be like if you took a little sip of seawater and it's like super salty. The isotonic is the diluted version. Interestingly enough, even though the isotonic's diluted, that one's the powerful life force that Rene Quinton called the medicine. In 1895, Rene Quinton discovered that the ocean's plasma is identical to our own blood plasma. The elements in it are identical or should be identical uh -huh. because many of us are missing the trace elements. And that's why our bodies are unable to heal or build new healthy cells. Our epigenetic potential depends on us having all 78 trace elements in our blood plasma. Mm. And if we're missing some of those elements, then we're not going to be as healthy as we could be and our cells can suffer. So the isotonic is something that you take as medicine. And if you're dealing with something um, like some sort of autoimmune or some issue, Rene Quinton had special protocols for that and, and how you take it. But like, you know, some people that are really sick might need to take up to three a day. One in the morning on an empty stomach, an afternoon, and night. that's with an, you want to do it on an empty stomach? That's the best. Mm -hmm. And with the isotonic, you want to use those vials that you break open. The reason why it's a double tip ampule is because it's not just about the chemistry. There's a bioenergetic life force in there that comes from the plankton bloom that even um, Francis Cole, the, the owner of Quinton, will say it's something we can't even quantify yet. We just know <laughs> what it does. So those are preferred to the big bottles? Absolutely, because oh, okay. th that's where the energy is held, yeah. those Good double tip ampules. Um, but if you're just focusing on the chemistry, then you can take the packets or the other things. But I, I just use the ampules because I want that life force energy. So I take the isotonic, the medicine, when I'm traveling in the morning, um, before I fly, mid-flight, and then after the flight. The hypertonic, undiluted one, think of it as nutrition, as a supplement. It's like a vitamin you take every day. And that's something that you can put in your water. So if you're taking your filtered water and then you add the hypertonic um, quinton solution with the 78 trace elements, you pour it through your vortexer, now your water can become this crystalline structure because it has the minerals. Why is a crystal a crystal? Why is it solid? Because it's made of minerals. And we want to create our water into this crystalline structured water. We need minerals. Oh, so before it goes through the vortex. Or before it, it goes through the vortex, or you oh, take your wow. filtered water, put the quinton, then vortex it. 
that's what nature's doing, right? Nature's taking all the minerals from the rocks and everything that, that it's um, coming in contact with. It's picking up all these minerals and it's moving and it's spinning. Mm. And then it's creating the structure. It's so beautiful. Like when I think about it, I get so excited because we don't, we take it for granted, right? And mm-hmm. we just have this water that we open up the faucet and go, oh, water's always there. Water's water, you know, it's just whatever it is, what it is. H2O. Oh yeah. no. We've been sold a lie. <laughs> yes. You're correcting that now. What, what, is there anything else that's like, cause I can do all that. That feels really good. Fasting, the ketones, the, the hydrogen tablets. Um, is there anything else I forgot? No, I think the sleeping and, and hydrating yeah. is important. I mean, there's so many other things you could do. I'm like, so extra. I've got a scale arm machine with little, um, frequencies in my earphones when I'm on the plane. And, um, my friend has this company that there's silver clothing you can wear to, to help protect from EMFs. And he gave, he gave me this cape. So it's a blanket that I'll just wear on myself. I mean, I look so crazy on the airplane, but I I don't care. It's made all the difference. I used to be that girl that travel days, I can't do anything else because I'm, I'm like done. No energy. Yeah. To now, or it did, I don't even feel affected by it. It's like, oh, great. I can't wait to try this protocol tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to let you know how it goes. Yes. Yes. It's going to feel good. Um, okay. I mean, I think, think we've covered a lot. Um, I guess the only other thing I would ask is you're, like me, a big fan of Feel Free. What do you use it for? Well... I think feel free is multidimensional. There's a lot of benefits you can get from it. And so it depends on the situation. If I need a little pump to get to the gym, cause I'm just not feeling it. You know, those days where you're just like, uh, I don't have the energy. I don't want to go. I'll take one then. Um, sometimes, you know, days where your neurotransmitters just feel like not on point, not dialed in. You're like, everything feels a little foggy today or not, not as elevated mm. it can really elevate your mood. If you Agreed. just need that. Yeah. That focus kind of like takes you out of the clouds and into like direct clarity. Yes. And I, and I can get really distracted too. So like, um, having to go through, getting to go through the edits of my book and opportunity to do that. It's like, oh my God, to sit down sometimes and just focus. It's it's very difficult. So feel free can really help me focus in when I need to. Yeah. I've actually heard that from actually a number of people who, who do write, do a lot of writing and they're like, it really takes care of the writer's block. It's like all the, 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 the kind of uh, ne- negative voices coming in that are distracting. It just, they kind of go away and allow yeah. you to just be in that space. And it, and I mean, such a good name. I, I love the name because it's a great name because it really does liberate you from the limitations that our mind can put on our body. And then you, it opens it up to this limitless potential where there's this freedom outside of the boxes that we've created and that's what I love about it. I was teaching my daughter, um, she's, she's running cross country and, or she's uh, training for tra- track right now. 
And so I was timing her as she's doing these hill sprints. And I'm like, look, the last three quarters, I just want you to gas it and tell yourself, this is so easy. I can do, oh, I've got this. Like, this is, this is the easiest part, you know? And mm-hmm. like, just change your mindset, right? Because at the end is when you start feeling like, oh my God, so much pain. And so she started shifting her thought and like her times were getting better and better and better. And I think that's just a good example of how our mind limits our body of what our real potential is and feel free helps take away, like lift those limitations. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I've seen you post about it being a a great alcohol alternative, which I love too. It's, It's probably been the thing that's helped me the most with just like saying no to like any, I mean, I will have them occasionally. It's been, a, it's been a few months actually, but I'm not afraid to have a few drinks, but I just feel way better. And I feel way better the next day. It's also an aphrodisiac. So I don't know if I told you this, but um, so you said you were going to send me a case and send me a box of it. And, and I get stuff in the mail all the time, right? So when I'm, I'm coming back from a trip, just got back from a long flight and I was so thirsty I had run run out of my deuterium depleted water and I only drank that. So I was so thirsty. So I get off the airplane. I'm like, oh, I want some juice. I want some structured, (laughs) structured plant water, you know? (laughs) And and I'm like, oh, this is Cal's thing. It's like probably like some healthy juice thing. I I didn't really know what it was. (laughs) And I was literally so like... I had been a long flight, a long day, and I just saw pineapple juice and like botanicals, right? <laughs> so I just shot it. And I'm like, wow, that, that, okay, that was interesting. So then I'm getting ready for bed and I kid you not, the, <laughs> so embarrassing, but all the blood in my body started just like moving. <laughs> and I felt like, like I, I was like literally going to have like an orgasm. I was like, oh. <gasps> going on like I just I hadn't put two and two together and I was like why do I feel this way no shit yeah because all the blood was just like rushing to my lady parts and I (laughs) was like what the fuck is this thing that he gave me (laughs) I haven't heard of that use yet and I looked we'd have to start using that in the marketing on the back and I was like oh my gosh yeah so I never drank a whole bottle all at once again because it was just so like this like (laughs) shot, you know, of pure energy. <laughs> yeah. And I don't recommend anybody who's trying it <laughs> to replicate that. It is really highly recommended you do half a shot, maybe a third, if you're a little smaller, because some people, when they take a full shot, they don't have that experience. They actually get a little bit nauseous. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so I it's a little know. bit too much for them, but good for you. Look yeah, at you. Yeah, it was interesting. So I was telling JW, I'm like, I think this could be marketed as an aphrodisiac. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember <laughs> hearing that. Because that was like my accidental happenstance, you know, it was like, I just fell upon it yeah. accidentally. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, your code is hydrate40. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anybody who's interested, use hydrate40. For Tracy's code at botanictonics.com. Where else can they find? I mean, your podcast is Hydrate. Obviously, it's anywhere podcasts are listened to. Where else can they find you? Your website? Yeah, or in my treehouse in San Diego. Ooh. You know, just come hang out with me at my treehouse. I built an adult treehouse because, like you, I love people to have experiences. Um, yes. No, but yeah, my website, Tracy Dews, the last name is spelled D U H S. 
with pay your dues, but with an H instead of an E. Ah. And then on Instagram is the same, Tracy Dues. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being on today. This was great. Thank you for we having me. covered a lot me. of ground. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Austin. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, and the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.